Today on Raiders Get Animated, we do our annual question mark digest of new shows. This time of 2016, if you're following our old record, check out Best of 2015, Episode 2, The One with Dramaturgical Issues. This one's not called that. Hashtag deal with it. Which is totally like, never mind. (laughs) Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And as we said, this is our annual question mark digest of best new shows in 2016. So we have a lot of shows that came out in 2016. We can't cover every single possible show that came out in 2016. But believe us, we tried. Yes. So many hours were spent in front of the TV just wasting away on couches. For you, dear listeners. All for you. So you don't have to. Right. And then you will have to because you hear about all the great stuff. Yes. There's there's at least one that I would say you have to go out and watch. Well, two. Well, maybe three just to experience it. <laughs> well, four if you're into that sort of thing. Actually, five if you like really good Latin music. So. Oh, Elena. Yeah. I, I watched one of those. Yeah. Do you want to start with that one? I don't know if I do. I don't, <laughs> feel, I don't feel ready to talk about the episode I watched of Elena. Let's start. Uh, did you see any, um, I guess, uh, trends or anything of this year that you want to talk about? I don't, not that I have anything in mind myself. There's a lot of <laughs> animal-related things this year, I feel. Yeah, there, there are a lot of animals. Um, there are a lot of high-concept things. Um, so... Like such as Milo Murphy's Law, where it's just really high concept in terms of somebody who is accident prone because whatever will go wrong, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Which I feel Murphy's like the Law. concept is just Weird Al is in a cartoon show. Yeah, and what <laughs> what weird things can happen that are bad, um, but also things being I don't want to say recycled, but things coming back in their cycles. So. <laughs> We have things like Voltron. Mm. We have Peanuts that came back to Boomerang. Uh, We also have Powerpuff Girls that came back. And then we have things like Banicula. If you weren't aware that Banicula was a thing. Right. I was not. I mean, in terms of of a cartoon, I knew it was a thing. Oh, I I knew it was a cartoon. Um, I was into Banicula as a kid briefly, so I heard about this and was... One of the ones that I was looking forward, the concept, and this is our high concept show if you uh, can't tell from the name Banicula. <laughs> it's about a, uh, a group of pets, and one of them is a rabbit who may or may not be a vampire. A vegetable vampire. A veg. Oh, that's hard to say. Vegetable vampire? Vegetable vampire. A VV. A VV. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. That's the concept. That's it. Um, if you're so- not following, it's okay. <laughs> uh vo- did we say voltron in yeah we said, we said voltron, voltron peanuts powerpuff girls but uh, but then something coming back that's like um and we talked about an episode of it before but son of zorn mm-hmm. which is taking something from the 80s and kind of sort of recreating it into a new package it's like he manny he man ish I will say, I think my favorites this year are the most original shows. Okay. Such as? I really enjoyed uh, The Loud House. Okay. Like, I really like The Loud House. I will watch more of that. Um, Milo Murphy's Law. Yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, it doesn't follow my, my theme, but I also like Voltron a lot. But I feel like it's a radical departure. Which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, and... I will watch more of it, even though I think it started as a joke of we should watch this, but ask the story bots. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see Tim Meadows and Chris Parnell dressed as reindeer in live action, not animation, talking to little animated creatures, watch Ask the Story Bots. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. That's a little That's a little crazy. <laughs> that's a little crazy. So do you have a favorite above all other show? I guess let's start with what are you gonna keep watching? Okay, so I'm going to probably keep watching Milo Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. Um, as Jack watches it, I'll probably watch more Elena mm-hmm. of Avalor. Um, 
just I think their storytelling is really well done, and it's just really weird um, to see magic and and the way that they do magic, and but also to have that many Latinos on screen, which is really terrific. But they also write in Arabic? Question mark. It's a mystical, magical world. It's not quite. <laughs> It's not any specific place in our world. It's like it's like how Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella takes place in France. Mm-hmm. It's not the real France. It's like magical, whimsical France. Whimsical, whimsical France. Who do? Um, and I think it's. I mean, it is the same lettering as Aladdin in some ways when they're looking at a document. Yeah. Uh, Rochelle didn't notice that. Like, what language is that document written in? I'm like, it's written in the magical world that they live in language. I didn't watch too much of Elena of Avalor. I was, I'm aware of it and how interesting it is. Um, and so I, I watched half of like the pilot episode, I think. Okay. I guess not, not the, the Sophia the First crossover, but the right, actual is, pilot of Elena. Right. Cause it's a spinoff. Yeah. Elena of Avalor is a spinoff of Sophia the First who was meant to be the first Latina princess from Disney, but didn't work out, and suddenly it got moved to Elena. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Oh, I'm, I'm almost not familiar with Sophia at all then. Yeah. I, I, if you're not aware of the complex backstory of these princesses, it's okay. If you watch the first episode of Elena of Avalor, they do a song at the beginning that tells you the entire backstory. <laughs> Exactly. It's very helpful. It is. I, I appreciate songs that do that. It's very Broadway in that sense. Hey, to get you up to speed, let me tell you everything that's happened until then. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to get on board with the concept. And once you understand these high points, you won't ask any more questions. And if you do, we have a Greek chorus of Lisa Frank style flying cheetahs, one of which is voiced by Chris Parnell telling you that today is the coronation and they have to see if Elena's awake yet. Yeah. It's <laughs> There's a lot of Chris Parnell in this there, episode. There is. There <laughs> is. He's everywhere. Um, but Elena of Avalor, I guess uh, we weren't going to talk about it first. but <laughs> Now uh, we're into it. Now we're into it. The music, they have new songs every time and Elena always busts out a guitar, usually. She always usually. But... <laughs> There's always a song in there expressing the core idea of the show, the core emotional center of it. Um, another episode that I watched had to do with um, Dia de los Muertos, hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, and because <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite parts of the episode, she talks to her, you know, the magical fox. Zuzo? Zuzo. I'm really into Zuzo. Uh, she was talking to him because suddenly she starts seeing ghosts in the graveyard, like actual ghosts. Um, she sees dead people, as it oh. were. Uh-oh. Um, and one of them asks for help. So she's wondering how she can see dead people. And it's explained that, you know, she was trapped in an amulet, marinating in magic is the line. Marinating? <laughs> you were marinating in magic for all those years. Like a good stew. And now suddenly, you know, you, you're a little bit more magical because you've been marinating. <laughs> <laughs> which is really a funny concept um just in general I'm like ooh, she's so she has a, she's been touched by magic but also the veil between the world of the dead and the living and that one day especially becomes a little bit looser a little bit thinner okay but it was uh uh i think i only cried twice in that episode okay that's good only twice. Fatherhood has not broken you too much. Not you're like too getting much. back to normal levels. Yeah. Once you're at zero, we'll be good. <laughs> it was only two times. But what, what made it even harder was that day, uh, my son Jack was talking about his Lita, which is short for Abuelita, which means grandma, uh, my mother. So he was talking about my mother who passed away, and he said, I miss Lita, and she's dead. And so the fact that suddenly there was this you know, grandmother who was trying to get her grandkids to work back together on this restaurant and save her heritage and save her recipes. It's a restaurant in this? Yeah, it's it's really high concept at this point. <laughs> but we, my mother, one of my mother's nicknames, I would call her 
when one of the recipes she gave me wasn't perfect and I would call her to figure out how to fix it. Like, what am I missing or what can I do and what is this? And um, so this ghost of this grandmother is whispering to Elena and she's passing the recipes on to the grandkids. And I was just, uh, so it wasn't just Elena happening. It was also, you know, the idea of my mother and her cooking and what my son had asked. And it was really complicated and complex feelings that I was having during Elena. I have two Elena follow-up questions, one of which involves that actual concept and the other which does not at all. Okay. The first one, um, I having watched the first part of the first episode, I saw the grandmother living there. Does she die on the oh, show? Oh, no, no. Not, it's not Elena's grandmother who dies. It's oh. a grandmother. It's a grandmother. A, a grandmother of two people who own a restaurant in the city. Okay. And they're selling it to become a bank. Oh. Because they can't make money and because um, they can't find the cookbook that the grandmother had hidden. Um, so the granddaughter has been experimenting with crazy recipes and no one really likes those. They want abuelas recipes but they can't find the book and okay. the grandmother's forgetful so you think it's going to be easy so elena comes like i can find it and the grandmother's like ah uh, <laughs> i think i put it somewhere <laughs> and then they finally remember where it is and they're like and then the grandson says we'll get more money if we sell the restaurant and the recipes and they start fighting over the cookbook but they start fighting over the cookbook near an open wood f you know, open brick oven. And as, as, <laughs> as writers, I'm sure we know where this is headed. Head a gabbler. There, there, there goes the cookbook into the flame. Yes. Into the flame. Um, and the one way to heal things is to actually have her cook. So they have ghost grandma cooking. So they have ghost grandma telling Elena to tell the granddaughter how to cook these different recipes. And they say sofrito, and I was like, oh, sofrito. Thank goodness they're using sofrito. My other follow-up question is, having watched the theme song for the show, um, why does that horse have a magnificent head of blonde hair? I'm, I, I'm not sure. I just saw in the opening credits, Elena's riding this horse, which looks like a normal her horse, not just like a Disney sidekick horse. It's yeah. a horse, but has like magnificent long blonde hair. I... I I can't, I don't have an answer for that. Okay, listeners, if you have also watched Elena of Avalor and you want to tweet at us with the answer to my <laughs> mystery, I would love to know without actually doing the research myself. <laughs> so tweet at WG Animated on Twitter. You tweet at us on Twitter, I guess. That's my sentence. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I will keep watching <laughs> Elena. I think Elena's pretty great. Um, I like that she is full of adventures. She's very much active in what she's doing and she does know that she's not ready to be queen mm -hmm. she's just not ready to be queen so she has she understands about the family and the connections to other people and that you're not done learning you're always learning something else about yourself about the culture about relationships there's always something new to discover okay and then there's some crazy fun like Characters being turned into babies, which was always it's all, always a good time when characters get turned into younger versions of themselves. That should go on the wheel. <laughs> it should actually. <laughs> that should go on the wheel crossover. Wheel of tropes. The wheel of tropes. The wheel of tropes. So, what um, what else should we uh, talk about now that we talked about Elena first? Even though we said we weren't going to talk about Elena first. Oh well, it happened. Um, I'm happy. Uh, did you watch any of The Loud House? I watched one episode of The Loud House. Okay. So what's the concept of The Loud House? The Loud House, which is also in the theme song, is a great concept. It's one boy, ten girls. And they're all siblings, and their names all start with L, because that's what you do when you have 11 children. You name them all with the same letter of the alphabet as a challenge to come up with 11 <laughs> different names. And so Lincoln Loud is the main character, the titular character of The Loud House. He's one of the characters. Never mind. Um, and so he's like somewhere in the middle of the ages of all of them. And he has 10 sisters and each episode is like an adventure with all of them or one of them. Cause all the sisters are different personalities. You get everything from like 
bubbly, um, googly-eyed teen with her boyfriend to, like, the Dexter's Lab knockoff one who has all <laughs> these crazy inventions. And you get the punk rock girl and the goth girl. Right. Um, so you have lots of iterations of girl. You have every possible version of young girl in this show. And so it's all about Lincoln Loud and his adventures in a house with this many sisters. And there's a lot of things I like about this show. I love that it it acknowledges its kind of comic-y setup. And it seems like it's done almost in a Sunday morning paper, like, comic strip style. I can see that. Yeah, yeah it has, like, the weird, like, shading on the tree, so it looks like it's from a print comic strip. And, like, the title card is, like, a it's an actual Sunday morning comic strip thing where it's, like, one big rectangle block with, like, the name of the show and the episode and, like, three small colorful blocks with, like, directed by da 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 so it feels very comic strip. Yeah. So it's it feels reminiscent of, I guess, my childhood growing up reading those Sunday morning comics. Um, and I watched a number of episodes with about this. And I think I mentioned at some point it did. Um, it made me feel good. Because <laughs> it was the, the first animated cartoon show with a married same-sex couple on it. Mm. Which is interesting. That is interesting. I've been thinking about the joke they did for that a lot. Yeah. So Lincoln's best friend, Clyde. Um, Clyde has two dads and they just do it completely offhand at one point Clyde's coming over for sleepover and he gets dropped off by his dads and the the joke essentially it's not like calling attention to the fact that they're two dads it's just like they have wedding rings okay we're going away for our like anniversary or something it's like here's the phone number for the hotel and here's the phone number for the car service and here's the phone number for uh, this thing will be at the next day and here's the phone number for the movie theater here's the phone number for the gas station Next to one place that doesn't have phone service. It's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that joke. But I think I've I've accepted that's more calling attention to the fact that they're a boring married couple. As opposed to like what you might expect to see <laughs> out of that. What you, the, it's not the joke you'd get on Futurama, it's the joke you get on like a Nickelodeon show. Sure. So Yeah. So I think I'm I've wound up okay with it. Okay. Um and another episode I watched with it, it's it does another one of our, our wheel of tropes. Um, and Lincoln wishes that he had 10 brothers instead of 10 sisters. And so he goes to an alternate reality where they're all brothers instead and learns to appreciate his sisters more. Because of having 10 brothers would probably be awful. Yeah. At first he gets to do all the fun things he likes and then the bathroom's a mess and they all like dog pile on him. And it's just like this awful thing. And he's sick and no one comes to his bedside. And at the end of the episode, he wakes up and it's all a dream. And he screams in the night, and all ten of his sisters immediately rush there, like, oh, here's your stuffed animal, here's some tea, what can we do for you? And he's like, ah, oh, this is the best. So, do here's a question that I have for you about this. Then. Okay, shoot. Do we need him in this show? Yeah, I think so. You think so? I think that Lincoln gives the dramatic tension to the show of like constantly being annoyed by his sisters, but also valuing them. It's like the Hamlet of kids' shows. <laughs> Okay, okay. Does he, How? Does he love his family? Like, will he make a decision to appreciate them? Or will he make a decision to not like them? He can't decide what he thinks of them. It may have been a bold move saying it's a Hamlet of kids shows. Okay, I was... I was <laughs> it's a little striking to be making that, that pretty huge statement there. But I'm, I'm not putting on the pedestal of, like, the greatest kids show ever written. But I... I Okay, I yeah. was wondering where you were going in terms of if it was the high art or you mean as a Hamlet being indecisive. Indecisive. Okay, yeah. as opposed to being a quality or... Yeah. And there's a lot of like way. fun kid show tropes. You don't really see the faces of the parents, or at least their parents. I haven't seen their faces. They're always like got their back turned or something and they're almost never home. Yeah. Um, it's a cute show. I, I recommend it. I've been watching it on the, uh, the Nick app streaming, just whatever's free. Um, so it's a fun way to not know what I'm getting next. Right. And, and I don't think it's the kind of show where you really have to be aware of canon. No. They tell you what's going on in the theme song and things One reset. Boy, ten girls. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah. Yeah. Things reset at the end of every episode. Yeah. I think Elena, things don't reset, but the world keeps going. Like They keep learning, but the same things keep happening. <laughs> I don't know. 
it has a plot. It's, it has as much <laughs> plot as Doc McStuffins does, where we see forward momentum. But really, at the end of the day, we're going to start at ground zero from, hey, she was trapped in an amulet. Now she's not. She's the queen, but And not. now she's magic. <laughs> so, um, moving on from the Loud House, unless you had another word you wanted to say about the nope, Loud House. that's it. Let's talk, because I think this conversation might be a little shorter. Uh, Banicula. Banicula. Banicula, 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 which is a property that I always want to like because I have such fond memories of it. I have huge memories of watching, not watching, but reading the, the novels. You know, Banicula, the celery stalks at midnight, mm-hmm. Holiday Inn. And I think when I aged out of the Banicula, I think those were the only three. And I think now there are six or seven. Yeah, there's a lot. I think there's Return to Holiday Inn and other stuff this whole like dachshund character or something yeah i don't remember that one i don't think i made it that far yeah so i, re- I remember reading the bonicula celery stocks at midnight and um holiday inn but this did not feel like any of those novels Mm-mm. at all um it didn't even feel like a show that came out in 2016 it feels like a show from 92 I was going to say like 2004. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like it's, it feel the, the design of the characters and the way that it's animated feels, I don't want to say Ren and Stimpy-ish, but it's mm. closer to that than things that are out currently. It's definitely, it's focused on the one-off jokes more than it is a plot per se. Not that a cartoon show has to have like an ongoing mythos. I like it when they do, but they don't have to. No, they certainly don't. Um, I I don't know. It's it's hard for me to separate my memories of Benicula with what's actually in the show because it retains the pet characters in name, but not the family. Right. And the pet characters don't seem to have the same personalities they do in the books. They and certainly I, don't. And I think for like kids watching this show, I, I mean, I don't hear of too many parents with young kids now going like, oh, we just read Bonicula. Like, that's not really... A thing that people yeah. do right now. And maybe they would return to it and then... I, I feel like Bonicula was a huge... It felt more like a horror mystery. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I read it in a single setting. I was um, sitting there and I read it. I was sitting on my bunk, top bunk bed and I read it just... One day, Mm -hmm. um, which was the first book that I had ever done that with. And then fast forward to like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, Bonacula, I remember it just being scary and, and feeling very, very nervous about it. And then when we get the theme song of Bonacula and it's this crazy kooky, um, Ooh, ooh, here it is. Okay, I have an idea. So the novels feel more like you should end up with a show like the original Scooby-Doo. And what you get is... The new Scooby-Doo. No, no, no. You don't even get there. You get you get um, a pup called Scooby-Doo yeah. is what you end up with. I mean, I feel like the the dog, Harold, his design is very reminiscent of Scooby-Doo. He even has like a blue collar with a gold like medallion on it. Right. And he kind of has like a Scooby affect to him. But you can understand what he's saying. Yeah, but he's like the big dumb character for some reason. Yeah. And then the cat is very much um, conniving. And I I felt like the personalities in the characters did not... I don't... It didn't tell a good story to me. Yeah. I didn't hate this, but it... It's not what I expected. And I, I think that if I could separate that more, I might like it more, but it was... Not quite what I was hoping for. I think I wanted it to be a little bit scarier. Yeah, I agree. I want a little bit more, you know, I want more Benicula in there. For the episode that I watched, um, it was somewhat very forgettable, and Benicula wasn't very much a part of the main story, and you mm-hmm. didn't really get a lot of, out, you know, get a lot out of it. And I was just like, why, why don't we get more Benicula? Why don't we get more? Mystery and fear, you know. At least Scooby-Doo scares. You know, if, mm-hmm. if anything, at least 
ambiance of some kind. It's scary that adults could not like kids that much. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Oh, I feel like we should talk about something that we talked a little bit about last year in our best of 2015 episode without being out yet, which is the Lion Guard. Okay. Because we're kind of on like a an animal slash Disney kick right now. Right. Loud House. And I, was trying, have, I was trying to make it work. There was no theme. That, there wasn't. But we have <laughs> talked about Lion King 2, Simba's, mm-hmm. colon, Simba's Pride recently at the end yeah. of season <laughs> one of our podcast. Yeah. So now we can talk about the Lion Guard, which carries on the story of the Lion King by inserting itself in the middle of Simba, you know, of Lion King 2. Yeah, so pride. in the tradition of Lion King, where you have Lion King 1, Lion King 2, and let's make a third Lion King movie, but put it between the two movies. Now we have a Lion King TV series that's in the middle of Lion King 2. Yeah. When they're still kids and not adults. Right. So it's hitting off the very first part of Lion King 2. Yeah. Where we meet a brother. That's who, the first thing that rubs me wrong. Who wasn't there. Kiara's already going to be queen, and I think she's a strong enough character on her own to be the person doing the Lion Guard and, like, gathering these animals like the Avengers and, like, doing her thing and being in charge. (laughs) I kind of, I want to see, not because I'm necessarily attached to that character, I want to see her in charge because why do you need to invent a boy when you already have a strong girl? Hmm. Maybe with uh, all the you know all the shows on disney jr like elena of avalor sophia the first oh. doc mcstuffins marketing maybe. wise i understand why yeah <laughs> okay i'm sorry i didn't know if you understood about this thing called capitalism <laughs> i do i do i understand the big c capitalism but uh the big s storytelling yes as the big s storytelling it doesn't it doesn't make sense there are dramaturgical issues why we have to invent a character who is Nowhere present in Lion King 2 at all. Mm-hmm. So that there's a problem there. Because I think the Lion Guard would have been a little bit more involved in Lion King 2 had they known existed. <laughs> Maybe that's that's the end of the series. It's like Clone Wars, you know, they all die, but you don't know how. Mm, someone executes Order 66 <laughs> and the Lion Guard gets taken out by... Each other? I don't know how that works. I don't know. Oh, no. Suddenly the hyenas all turn on them. (laughs) Wait, that's the end of the first Lion King. Never mind. Yeah. But Lion Guard. uh, Which episode? We watched the same episode. Yeah, we haven't watched the same episode. Uh, Bunga and the King. Bunga and the King starring Rob Lowe Mm. as Simba. And which is literally... Odd to hear. <laughs> a little bit. It's a little. It's, it's a like little you know odd. something's not quite right. Yes, I mean we still get Ernie Sabella as Pumbaa, and we get uh, I can never remember his name who took over for Timon for the animated series, and I feel so for the bad. Timon and Pumbaa one. Yeah, mm-hmm. he took over for Timon, who I think his best thing is being able to do Nathan Lane impressions. Yeah, because for it, it had me fooled for a little bit. If you have to have someone be your understudy, if you're famous enough voice-wise to have an understudy just follow you around from cartoon show to cartoon show, cool, you've made it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do, I, I like a lot about this show. Um, I thought there were some interesting things that happened. Um, and it developed some characters and relationships more. I like that Timon and Pumbaa have like a new adoptive son in Bunga. And this whole episode that we happen to watch, the only episode that both of us have watched this show is <laughs> about how Simba relates to Bunga, who is like his brother. And they're just kind of like talking about this and discovering this and why they don't have a closer relationship because they're very different people. Right. And they are. Um, we get that sense. It's a little bit like uh, if we if we go Parks and Rec on this. It's a little bit like um, if Chris, played by Rob Lowe, had to hang out in a pit with um, the character played by Chris Pratt. 
which uh, Andy. Yeah. So if Chris and Andy ended up in a pit in Africa, <laughs> that's essentially the plot. Of yeah, this that, that's about how this works out. If you're for our, you know, Venn diagram of fans who enjoy Parks and Rec creation and enjoy animation. <laughs> I love to say Parks and Rec creation. I, I well. Sorry, I try to. I was going to say Parks and Rec, but yeah. Move, moving on. <laughs> uh, we could take an interlude and talk about some shows we're not going to talk about that much because we've hit a couple good ones we recommend so far. Um, notable this year also is HBO's new show Animals. That's about all that we're going to say in that concept. Yes, they had a show called Animals, mm-hmm. and there are episodes of it. Um, that not kid friendly. I was going to say there are. As you would expect from being on HBO, uh, it is not at all kid friendly. Yeah, not even, not not even remotely. A, remotely, thank yeah. you. That's There's the nothing. There's nothing, nothing at all that makes it uh, kid friendly. So do not let your children watch animals. It is uh, some some haha moments, but eh, and I wouldn't watch it again. Right, and maybe yourself don't watch animals. <laughs> Uh, the other one I want to bring up, while I don't think it necessarily has to do with our podcast as much, is Greatest Party Story Ever from MTV, where it's like this four-minute segment of someone, a real-life person in an interview, kind of drunk history style, talking about their greatest party story ever, as the premise of the show promises. Um, and the interesting part is that to reenact the story instead of like drunk history where they have famous people reenact these stories, they animate these party stories and the animation kind of serves to exaggerate how crazy these stories are, which is interesting. I like what they're adding to the storytelling visual wise, but I wouldn't recommend this as a cartoon, I guess, <laughs> unless you like YouTube documentaries about college kids. And I don't know. There could be in the Venn diagram of our fans who enjoy animation and YouTube videos about college kids. There could be a new section there. Comparing it to Drunk History might be too good of a favor for it. <laughs> in, at least in concept. <laughs> at least in concept, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That's a little odd. With our interlude of shows we don't recommend as much over, let's talk about one we both love. Okay. Milo Murphy's Law. Ah, oh, yes. Milo Murphy's Law, starring... Weird Al Yankovic. By the creators of... I don't know that one. Oh, really? Phineas and Ferb. Oh! Oh! Okay, I see it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I see Zach's face looks like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and there's there's definitely a formula to this show, too, but they have... Like, the whole concept of the show is they're aware of the formula is that Milo Murphy... Named after, I think that he's supposed to be like the great great grandson of Murphy Murphy's Law or something. Yes, um, and it's that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And there's the first episode introduces a new character who you have to. They then teach the concept of the show to that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Which I feel like if you watch the first episode, um, don't discount it. W- watch skip ahead. And the first episode is still good. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying because they have to introduce a new character, because they have to have a surrogate for the audience to bring in what this concept is all about. Um, as they bring you know on board this new character and on board the audience at the same time, it's necessary, but it feels you know you you feel the structure moving because they're calling attention to it because they have to. Mm-hmm. They have to because they're introducing this world world to us. I like a lot of the surrounding cast also how they're like a almost as if you're watching the show Recess, which we even talked about. That's weird. That just came to me. <laughs> how they're watching it's like the characters of Recess but smushed together into weird combinations. So you have like the the big like football player kid who's like a side character but is also really into like chakras and spirituality. Right. Uh, who I really enjoy and then Bradley, the evil nerd. Right. He's like the main villain, but he's also the smartest character. <laughs> and I guess not villain. Villain is generous. But I, I do enjoy that nobody feels like a trope unto themselves. Like they didn't leave it as just the main 
stereotype character. They gave them a slice of something. It's like they had, you know, those character things where you have tops of animals and bottoms of animals mm -hmm. and then you move it around and like, oh, it's an alligator on top, but it's a bear on the bottom. They maybe had that for stereotypes for high school. Or, I mean, they're not in high school, but, you know, they're younger than that. I think they're middle school. They're like eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. So they're flipping through and trying to go in and say like, okay, so there's the jock, but then there's also, let's give him a piece of this. And mm -hmm. there's this character, but let's give him a piece of this. And then I don't know if she's going to be a recurring character. Um, they're, oh, what does she teach? Her, her, the science teacher who made her own desk. Yes. I really like her because she's so strange. And I think that's what this show wins on is everything is strange. So we're meant to believe that, okay, the strange thing about Milo Murphy is that things go wrong whenever he's involved. But everyone else is weird, too. <laughs> So it's not that he sticks out in this world. It just is the fact that he's dangerous. He's dangerous and he could cause death and destruction. But he's not. He, it's not that he doesn't fit in. Because they're all weirdos. Mm -hmm. They're all strange. And in fact, the most normal kids may be the three main characters. Because Milo is just like this quiet, optimistic kid. I don't think that anything really sets him apart other than the fact that he's crazy unlucky. And then Melissa, who's fairly smart and good at school, but she's also crafty. It's kind of like if you took, um, if you took Velma and mixed her with Bender. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Melissa is. <laughs> I, I can buy that. That's uh, that's pretty good. And then Zach, who's like the really nice jock kid who plays football and is friends with them. Not even for some reason, because. Why are they all even friends? I don't know. It, it, he doesn't stick out for being like the football players friends with them either. Right. And nobody calls attention to it that, hey, why are you hanging out with them? Mm -hmm. It's just like, uh-oh, Milo's coming. Yeah. Batting down the hatches. And then Diogi, Milo's dog. Oh, yeah. Who I don't understand the concept of yet, but I think this is where Phineas Refer really comes into play. Because every episode, Diogi shows up and someone says, go home, Diogi. And then turns to another character and says, he's not supposed to be at the hospital, football game, subway station, whatever it is. I think it's just a call-out running gag. Um, because um, he, he's not a, a spy like Perry the Platypus or anything like that. It's just he shows up where he's not supposed to be. And, and, and Diogi doesn't also cause any havoc. It's just there. I think he does, though, because in their, their egg drop episode on their list of things they're protecting against is acts of D.O.G. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's not supposed to be here. And they have great one-liners, and Weird Al does an amazing... I feel like Weird Al should have been a voice actor all these years, because he's so good at delivering these lines. Like, sticks and stones may break your bones and vital organs, so always wear body armor. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hits the body armor his chest. <laughs> I, I think um, when you're, if you were to watch the Weird Al show from the early aughts, I think is when it came out. Yeah, like 2000, very early. Where, uh, and you just listen to it, you, he, the things he does with his voice are, are really terrific. So I think animation is the real medium where he can really shine. And he gets to sing every episode. He, well, he, not every song. There is a song in every episode, which I appreciate. But it's not always <laughs> him singing. Okay. I haven't seen anywhere it's not him singing yet. I yeah. Think. It's, it's, um, there, there are episodes where he doesn't sing. But Clearly you've watched more than I have. They're not lesser for that. Mm. Yeah. Although um, you told me about the, like the second episode, they already play with the, the, the plot that he's bad luck and he's... The second episode begins, he's been banned for football games because he causes their team to lose. But then um, the football team with Zach on it, um, it's his first game, so they want to go and support him. Um, they're going up against the other middle school, which you, you told me is a brilliant line from yes. the coach. The, the coach is just um, telling his players, like, we're going to lose this one. We're going to lose because uh, they've been, because <laughs> it's their eighth graders, they've been failing all their best players for the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> so they're essentially playing high school seniors. 
uh, and above. It sounds like like college sophomores. Um, but it's like, yeah, we're going to lose. It's going to be bad. So then they have Milo come because they're going to lose anyway. And then they have the wonderful idea that, wait, Milo should root for the other team. <laughs> and if Milo roots for the other team, they will have bad luck and we might stand a chance. And I will say the song Big Foam Finger is my football night theme song for the rest of my life. Yeah. Got my big foam finger. Like it's an it's in the tradition of like American football pump up songs, but sung by Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really terrific. It's it's very much on the law along the lines of his um the uh his sports song that he had on his recent album mandatory fun mm. it's very much in line of that where it feels like something real but it's really subversive in what it's actually saying and doing but if it, it knows its genre the last thing i want to say in praise of milo murphy's law is that in the egg drop episode um i like melissa and the show because it begins with milo trying to make a pun about eggs and melissa shouts no egg puns and they make no egg puns the entire episode. It's like they know the danger zone that they're in, how tropey <laughs> they can get, and then it's acknowledged, we're not going to do this! And the episode continues. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do appreciate the one thing about, the, about their storytelling, because I don't. they have a basic plot, which is Milo gets involved with something and things go wrong, but somehow work out. Like That's, that's the end of it. You know, something... In going wrong, things end up going right. That's that's what is best for it. But they the jokes that they tell are just so random that it just works. Like Christian Slater as the crossing guard. <laughs> Did you ever see any of these I with Elliot the crossing guard? <laughs> so they have a joke where um, he's trying to get this they get this duck with him and he starts fighting with this duck and he ends up in this pond and it goes on for about 30 seconds. I mean, this is, it's a long, long joke. And then in a later episode, the duck comes back because it comes back in, well, we have this to protect us from duck incidents. And then later on in another episode, the ducks come back because Elliot's being chased by the duck across the stage at an opera. And it's like a throwaway joke that just keeps getting thrown away. <laughs> it just keeps coming back. It's like, yeah, we made this random joke about llamas. Let's keep mentioning it. Let's oh, yeah, the llama thing. Let's keep bringing that back. Because why not? And so they have a joke continuity, if not a plot continuity. Yes. They have, they're just breeding these inside jokes with the audience. <laughs> it's like, here's another just inside joke that we have with you. And only people who are really paying attention who saw this episode over here will get why this is funny. Maybe the last episode will be just all inside jokes. Yeah. Constructed to form a plot. Very experimental theater. <laughs> what else do we have on our list? Uh, so some other shows, I think we... We've already talked about Son of Zorn in a different episode, so we won't talk about that today, but that also came out this year. It did, and I watched another episode. Did you watch the second episode? I made it to, like, the fourth one, and then I stopped. Okay. I I just... The character of Zorn is still problematic for me. Yeah. Even, even in later episodes. But... I do like his... There's an episode where he decides to defend the honor of his office and go to war with the office next door over them stealing food from the fridge. <laughs> I like that concept. I did like that. Okay. So there are some good concepts. Yeah. But because it's all about Zorn, there's a little bit of trouble there. Yeah. Um, Powerpuff Girls got rebooted this year, um, which I haven't been following too closely. It's another thing I like the source material a little too much, I think. Um, what I've seen is fine. It's even funny. I like their new, I don't know, Arch Nemesis, but one of their new rogues gallery um man boy i don't know what to say about it. he's got the power of beard <laughs> and all these stereotypical manly things he wants to protect his lawn i don't know 
that's I don't know. That's there's some good stuff in there. I mean, I think I'm still nostalgic for the scrappy version of Powerpuff Girls. That the clean version, the you know, the one with style, with a little bit more money. You know, it definitely looks pretty. And rewatching Power Girl, Powerpuff Girls earlier this year, I didn't realize how strapped for cash that production was in the first season. Mm. It's like we have three colors to use. <laughs> Not even a full spectrum. You don't get the whole crayon box. You get half of them. So it's a little bit like, what do you lose when you take a really scrappy off-Broadway show and give it a lot of money and then put it on Broadway? Hopefully you retain the heart, which I think they did for the most part. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's sometimes it's a little too shiny. Yeah. So. Meh. <laughs> Um, Peanuts, which I've not watched at all. Peanuts on Boomerang. I assume um, you've seen a lot with Jack. <laughs> Jack doesn't like it as much. Ooh. Which is uh, strange. His favorite movie, um, next to things like Zootopia, is Peanuts. The Peanuts movie. The, the latest one that Blue Sky came out with. Computer animated. He loves that movie. Um, and he loves Charlie Brown. He loves Snoopy. He loves the old series. He loves it's the char- you know it's the Great Pumpkin. Charlie Brown. He loves Christmas. He loves Peanuts. And um, we watched a couple episodes on through the Cartoon Network app. And he blank stares. Blank stares. Hmm. They the style of it. They have it. If we were talking about the Loud House living in a comic strip, they take Peanuts takes this very um, literally. And it's very much in the panels. So when they're doing moving from one thing to another, it's very panel. Mm. And it's not plot-based at all. It's very one, two, three joke. It's more like It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. A little bit. Like things along a theme, but not necessarily related. Not necessarily related. Because even in a single show, they may not return to the same theme in the other pieces. So it's just randomly strewn together plot pieces and things that are you know the the comedic um falling over or getting your finger stuck in a binder or other things like that he he just wasn't going in the style and they've also done it feels very much 90s flash animation Mm. in terms of so it doesn't feel it supposedly looks hand-drawn but it doesn't feel hand-drawn but it's not the new style that blue sky brought out which i was like there's no continuity in mm. anything, um, so it doesn't feel right. I mean, the still pictures, if you saw it in still pictures, it looks like watercolor, so it looks pretty pretty cool, but not in motion. Not in motion. Okay, I, I can see that. I don't know. I mean, it looks neat. It does look neat, but it's... The animation loses something in a little bit of a translation. Like the old Peanuts cartoon, I think that the animation works great. It looks just like the comic strip, um, and it works very flowing. See, there's a still of it, and we'll post like a link to things. But it yeah. looks, it looks right. It doesn't move right, and mm. I, I don't know if that's what Jack reacts to. But I ex- fully expected to have this in my arsenal of. Something else for Jack to watch other than Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which is his new thing, or Doc McStuffins. You know, I love I love Doc McStuffins, but sometimes you want to watch new characters or different characters at least once, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least once a week. Just can we try something else? <laughs> and he just didn't go for it. No more Doc. He just didn't go for it. I mean, it. we love Doc, but yeah, you can't do twelve Docs in a row. No, no, I cannot. Jack can. He'll do th- 12 Jacks, but 11 of them are the same one. And then the last one is the, <laughs> a different one. 12 Jacks? Well, 12 Docs. So docs. He'll, he'll watch 11, one of them 11 times, and then the 12th will be something different <laughs> of Doc. He'll just keep rewinding. Uh, to be able to do that again. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're running low on time, so I feel like we should mention that we both like Voltron Legendary Defender 
And we'll probably talk about this in its own episode. I think Voltron needs its own episode, to be honest. It does. We do need to mention it in this because it's one of the best of 2016. Um, I angry tweeted (laughs) at Voltron when it was first announced. I did. Do you retract your angry tweet? I do. Are you going to be on mean tweets? No, no, no. It wasn't angry. I just was angry with them about representation. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turned out okay. And it turned out okay because of what they did, but they could they had to <laughs> they had to sit there and take all that anger and know what they had in store in terms of story. But if they had gone like, "Oh, hey guys." Okay, I'm going to say spoilers real quick, but hey guys, don't worry, they're not all guys. One of them is actually a woman. Mm-hmm. Don't don't worry about it. But then we're going to keep calling her by her guy's name, just FYI. So it's just a little bit strange. Yeah. I mean, so I, I did angry tweet at them like, really? In this day and age in 2016? But the princess is much more involved this time, too. It's like they have two main female characters and five main guys. Yeah. And one angry, one evil girl and one evil guy. Yeah. I so, guess two evil guys. I do like the character of the princess in this mm-hmm. because she is doing more of a leader role sending things out and she is the main head of things yeah she's not afraid of anything she's nick fury yeah (laughs) in the voltron universe maria hill well no that's that's the other guy is maria hill oh she has a maria hill so that's why she's (laughs) nick fury but the other guy already has an eye patch right but i'm i'm saying (laughs) we'll talk about it in its own episode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> summary dreamworks might be better suited to doing traditionally animated tv shows for netflix end of review yeah i'm I'm looking forward to season two because they ended season one on a type a cliffhanger and if you don't know what a type a cliffhanger is we'll post a link to that episode so you can listen to us talk about the different types of cliffhangers there are see eventually our podcast is going to be us talking about links to other episodes of our podcast that's how you know you've made it. Mm-hmm. By it, I mean enough episodes to be able to do that. Just like academia, we're going to have a lot of citations, but we're going to cite mostly ourselves so we look better. <laughs> um, so last thing that is already available in 2016. Um, on Netflix. On Netflix also, Ask the Storybots, <laughs> which I'm going to liken, um, if you ever watched Planet Earth, and you really just want to kick back and watch like this really interesting thing about like a nature documentary just like about the world and the planet and how it interacts ask the story bots is like that but like what a child's mind works or like how that works it's it very much feels like if you take a view of kind of sesame street an electric company and you cut out all the slow moving bits of those and you gave it like seven different animated styles Right, and then pumped it full of some uppers and some caffeine. And some jokes that only adults will hopefully get. You would end up with Ask the Storybots. And I would say it's definitely entertaining as an adult with no kids in the room to watch. I think it would have been too much for Jack. Because Jack lot. gets overstimulated. And I think he would have just been like, I can't watch this anymore. I have to walk away from it. It's like it's geared for like... Under three, but also eighteen and above. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would say you could probably get. I think Jack in maybe two years would be ready for it. Sex, six, not sex. <laughs> <laughs> I said six, six, the age of six. Oh my god, six years old. When Jack is six years old, future Jack. I hope you're entertained by this. God. <laughs> That, I hope, hopefully that's a late night episode of Ask the Storybots. Where do where do babies come from, Storybots? <laughs> the dark and gritty reboot of Storybots. The thing we didn't know we needed. Because <laughs> it is. It's just kids like, where does rain come from? Where does? Which, by the way, the episode Where Does Rain Come From is the one starring Tim Meadows and Chris Parnell in reindeer outfits for some reason. Well, they're um, reindeer. Well, it's the the moral of the episode is that reindeer are not related to rain, not really. But there's a lot of like weird jokes in there, and I think that this show wins best 
adult joke for kids because they set you up for expectation. Eventually the rain's falling and we get a close up of a raindrop falling, I think with a cowboy hat. Yeah. And the raindrop shouts very meticulously and enunciatedly. Yippee Kai Yay Mother Nature. I didn't know where that sentence was gonna end when I, I was watching. Like I was like on the couch alone, like where is this going? This is the kids show. What's happening? Okay, Mother Nature. Yippee Kai Yay Mother Nature. Go <laughs> oh, goodness. Storybots, you get an award for somehow getting that in. I Applaud you. This is the official Mackenzie Worrell applauding award of Writers Get Animated. The I'll, first I'll applaud one. it too, because oh. I was, yeah, well done. Ask the story lots. That We're applauding adult jokes and kids' shows. Um, uh, that should be a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> and the, in addition to our favorite things, and the award for adult joke in kids' show goes to. I like that. We'll make uh, it a thing. We'll make it a thing. We'll have to design something. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So on that, um, we talked about the things that we're going to keep watching already. Um, but there's some other things that happened in 2016 that we just want to quickly mention. We won't go into, but some, I almost feels like in memory. Uh, that's what I was thinking. This is like the in memoriam chapter for great shows that we lost this year. <laughs> so here's some amazing things or things that have taken place in 2016. I'm opening envelope. I don't know why I'm opening envelope for things that are in memoriam. <laughs> Let's see the news. It's a surprise. <laughs> Let's see who died. Oh, <laughs> oh, he died? It's like the Hunger Games. Um, Gravity <sighs> Falls ended. We should have like a cannon fire. I was going to say, do you want to do like touching piano music? Yeah, probably. Okay. So Gravity Falls. Um, wander over yonder. The beginning and end of the poorly conceived show, Border Town. Star Wars Rebel Season 2 Finale, and introducing Grand Admiral Thrawn, and regular show, which went into space for their final season. No one knows why. <laughs> those are major events. So those are some major events that happened in 2016, animation-wise. And um, this show, I think, gets a little asterisk at the end of, like, we are doing the best of 2016, but there's at least two shows that haven't come out yet that I'm looking forward to. Um, in December, at the very end of December, Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters, made by DreamWorks, is premiering on Netflix. I imagine that'll be in my best of 2016, but we're recording this before that happens. And supposedly, Justice League action starring Kevin Conroy starts on Cartoon Network this year. I'm, I'm waiting for my favorite Batman to come back. <laughs> And then next year in 2017, we have a lot to look forward to, which we'll talk about in 2017. Yeah. But we have Tangled Before Ever After coming out, where mm -hmm. she, her hair grows back. Oh, I don't know the plot at all. Yeah, her hair grows back. Um, we have the reboot of DuckTales. And we also have Big Hero 6, the series, which they actually just announced the voice cast for. Which is mostly the original cast, plus a whole bunch of amazing guest stars. I'm pretty excited. And maybe 2018, Ghostbusters Ectoforce? Maybe. Which I've just heard tell of. I feel like Ghostbusters needs to lay low for a little while. We won't have the Ghostbusters fight in this episode. No, 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 no. We won't. Okay. I, Truce. I, I'm not going to fight about it. <laughs> I have good things. I have bad things. Okay. I have mostly... Kate, I have good things. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Kate what McKinnon she, everything. This is the year for Kate McKinnon. She needs to be in some animated shows. Oh, man. I can't wait. She could totally McKinnon up some stuff. Can we write an animated show for Kate McKinnon? Can we tweet at Kate McKinnon with a link to this episode and just not give her any explanation? And then she'll just be like, what? And then not till the end. And hopefully she gets to the end. Like an hour in. <laughs> so... <laughs> We talked a lot about our favorite things, what we're going to continue watching. So that was 2016. Check out some shows. I totally recommend Milo Murphy's Law. Um, I totally recommend Ask the Storybots if you want. <laughs> I second Ask the Storybots. Have have an alcoholic drink of your choosing and watch Ask the Storybots if you're of the age where you can partake in such things. 
There's only six episodes. I will be watching the rest. Uh, the Loud House, I highly recommend. And, of course, Voltron. Which we'll Voltron, yes. Voltron will get its own episode. And maybe Elena might be... We'll bring Elena back a little bit when we talk about... I would do Elena. We might have to do another Minority Report. Ooh. So, the update. The, the updated update. report. So, homework time. Homework time! For homework time, next time we'll be discussing two episodes of the series, The Simpsons. In recognition of their being renewed until season 30. Well, through season 30. Through season 30. Yeah. That's right. Not until. They get the 30. first episode of season 30. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so through season 30, we're going to be talking about season six, episode 16, Bart versus Australia. And then season 11, episode 19, Kill the Alligator and Run. Both fall on one end of the spectrum. The Simpsons go to blank. We will leave it up to you to realize which end of the spectrum each episode falls on. As always, thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, as I mentioned earlier, at WG Animated. Um, tweet us about the head of blonde hair on that horse, if you know the answer. I still want to know. Um, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. Correct. Yes. 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 You think I know these better. And on Tumblr, for all of our show notes and links, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Wow. We we did it. I think in our next episode, we should ask um, where cartoons come from for the Storybots. Storybots, where did cartoons come from? I don't know what they're going to start with. They're going to start by playing music. Like, it has tune in it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> feels different with you actually in the room.